What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, it's Yasir and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions. And today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialing a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now, these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Gerard will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at thecoachesnet. Once again, that is at thecoachesnet. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Evening, Gerard. How's it going, man? All right, Yas. How's it going? Good evening, everyone. Really looking forward to another interesting debate and chat as always it's going to be good how is everyone how are you doing mate yeah doing very well man just uh just dying in this heat right now but still living <laughs> it's all right man how about yourself, how about yourself? exact same honestly it's crazy man it's crazy let's just get a few more people in the room and we'll get cracking man you've been all right though yeah yeah, good. Busy as always, like you. Uh, just yeah. hectic. We're um, looking forward to I'm flying back next week, which is going to be good. So, looking forward to seeing the family. Um, just busy at the minute with everything with the club, club development, training a lot of the staff, doing some stuff for the academy. Just, yeah, hectic as always, but good. And need to catch up on my PhD as well. I feel you on that one, man. I need to get this dissertation written off for my master's, but... Yeah, we go, man. No, I love it. We've got some good, I mean, you know, we've got some, uh, it's an interesting topic and it's one of those that really we could be talking about for days as always with a lot of these things. So it'd be interesting to see where the, the conversation goes. And I think there's some good people in the room, you know, already listening, you know, whether it be John, whether it be Jonas, who's doing some cool stuff at uh, Forest. Um, he's in a new role with individual development as well and, and anyone else, you know, some of the stuff that Nick shares always with his environment. So anyone, you know, right down to Laura and everyone else listening to it, it'd be, it'd be cool to get everyone's insights as well, not just me and you. 
100% agree. On that note, man, let's get cracking. Gerard, maybe brief a brief intro around, around yourself and we'll go from there. Yeah, so everyone, obviously Gerard Jones. I currently work as a director of coaching in Major League Soccer for uh, sport in Kansas City. Um, previously worked in the professional game in England and Morocco as well as states at different levels, whether that be as a coach developer, coach educator. Every federation has a different title. Uh, with US Soccer, UEFA, some of the stuff with the FA. Um, I've done stuff with FAW, guest stuff with uh, Scottish FA and a host of other organisations like CAF and AFC. Previously an elite coach educator under Oshan Roberts who's now assistant manager to Patrick Vieira in the Premier League with Crystal Palace. Oss was the technical director with the Moroccan National Federation, where I was an elite coach educator, uh, worked with the different teams and, and, of course, mainly mentoring and coaching players, working on the different courses. And prior to that, you know, unfortunately, I've worked at different levels in the game, you know, as a coach, as a youth coach, academy, head of academy coaching, under-21 assistant and so forth. So, uh, you know, varied experiences in England across the EBB category system and, you know, right through to stuff that I'm doing internationally and abroad. So, you know, wealth of experience, hopefully. And uh, still, like Yaz, you know, really interested to learn. Um, founder and director of You Learn Blue, which is a digital coach-ed platform uh, where you can access some online courses and, and bespoke mentoring. And I'm doing all that alongside doing my PhD. Um, so you probably can tell I don't sleep. <laughs> but so, yeah. <laughs> nah, bravo, man. Bravo. There's a lot There's a lot in there. And there's hopefully there's a lot of experience to delve into. And guys, just a very brief insight around myself. Um, my name's Coach Yes. Coach developer similar to Gerard. Um, really just, again, student of the game. Just looking to grow, looking to learn. And hopefully bring you guys on that journey and join, you, join your journey too. So, you know, on that note, guys, if you guys take a very brief second just to follow myself and Joe, we're going to be here every single Sunday with these different discussions, you know, open to hearing different topics and discussing different things that you might have you might have an interest in as well. So please do let us know. But just to give a bit of insight, um, each week, uh, you know, we pick the theme of our, our, our spaces based on questions and conversations that have been had with us. Uh, and this week's topic is around, you know, striking the balance between individual and collective outcomes in a, in a session. Um so, Gerard, just before we get cracking, and maybe just give us your insights around how you perceive that question um, and maybe go from there. I think it's a great question. It's one that we're always talking about. And I think we've actually spoke about it in different ways on other topics, other questions that we've had posed. I think the balance between individual and collective is really comes back to the individual. Who's the person in front of us? So a lot of our coaching programs, and, and there's something that I retweeted recently, which and I inspired a bit of thinking uh, even today, if anyone looks at my Twitter handle, around like how we work, our programs at work, because I saw something Ben Bartlett posted, and it actually was perfect timing, because I'm having debates with people, even at Sporting Kansas City, internally, where we're uh, agreeing, disagreeing on, on certain concepts, and that's good where I'm challenging thought process around people talk about like this tactical periodization or technical periodization or curriculums, bodies of work, whatever we want to call it. And we, we come up with all these, with these designs and we're talking about team concepts and developing the team. But then we've got to remember that learning isn't linear. 
player development isn't linear. And ultimately, everything we're doing is about the individual and who's in front of us and where are they in this journey. So, yes, we have team concepts and there's certain things that people want to develop around, you know, certain moments, principles, values, styles of play, whatever it may be. But how does that fit the actual personnel that we have in the room and where their identity is going or what their journey looks like? And the reality is we don't know, do we? Like, we genuinely don't know. We don't have a crystal ball. But what we can try to do is design environments where, yes, we're working on the collective needs of the group and there'll be certain team principles and team tactics as well as individual tactics. But then what does that look like for Jonas, for Nick, for Carl, for Yaz, whoever it may be? Because they're coming at it from no different to when we do like coach education, you know, you're picking people up at different bus stops and everyone's got their own agenda and where they're going to and you know, in a roundabout way to answer it, I just wanted to sort of set the scene of when we're all coaching in our environment, we're, we're working with teams predominantly. So in order to strike that balance, I think you've got to think about what are the collective groups needs that might be global? How does that look and fit and feel within your normal coaching program? But ultimately, how can you design experiences that really do make their talent count because there's a big thing that we talk about a lot which is like strengths and turning strengths into super strengths but then we forget that you know when this kid arrives into our environment what got them in the building in the first place so what is their football identity not just their normal identity or their characteristics and how can we make that even better so for me, it comes back to like to strike that balance is, yes, you've got your principles and we, not, we might need to be working on our team at how we react when we, we lose the ball, right? And it might be that in those moments when we're trying to counter-press or those moments when we're trying to break lines and we've got the ball and we're attacking and how and when we can construct our attack or finish the attack. Wherever it is on the field, whatever scenario, there's a million one things we could be doing as a team. But how can you design as a coach individual difference within that practice, within that experience? And I think that's where you've got to strike that balance. So me and Yaz are coaching breaking lines as a principle today with our team. Right now, tonight, that's the topic. But within that same topic, there'll be different individual needs because there'll be players that are wrestling with stuff and they're all at different stages, technically tapped everything, right? And they're all coming with their own baggage and stuff within that same session. But equally, those same players, there'll be certain ones that want to get more out of the practice than just doing possession for possession's sake. You know, what if I'm an, a guy who needs to get better at dealing with body contact and finishing one-on-one against the keeper? So, or there's another player who's a foot a wide player who needs to get better at finding different ways to deliver entries early into the into the penalty area, and how can you do that? So what you might do is then you might start right. You know the practice is working on breaking lines. What area of the field? You know if you think about a roadmap, what area of the field does it occur? And and you design your practice and you've got all your stuff. But then within that same design, how can you design individual difference? So for Jonas, it might be that I've, I've cut the pitch off 
and it might not be the same on both sides. So it could be that one side of the pitch is different to the other. And then that way, there's an individual difference there for the two wingers. You know, one winger on one side is trying to beat people on the outside. One winger on the on the other side is, like Jonas, let's say he's going across the player. So he's constrained, based on the design of the practice, to come up with other solutions. Maybe if it's a possession practice, as that ball, whoever enters or arrives into that final end zone, whatever it is, depends on how you draw your practice, whatever shape it is or whatever, they get an opportunity where they can finish one-on-one against the keeper. So what you might do is you, or maybe everyone get, you know, so I guess I'm just throwing some ideas out there, but ultimately it can be designs, it can be conditions, certain constraints. There's a lot of factors that go in, but how do you design those based on the individual needs of the player? So to strike a balance, just to summarise all that, I would say think about what your programme looks like and what you're working on, what are your team training goals going into that week. But then within that, how do you design individual difference within the practice, individual difference? And that's where you'll start to strike that balance between collective and individual. And I don't know if it's an exact science where there's a sweet magic number every time, because it might be that for most parts, you may be focusing more on individuals than the collective needs. And then other times it might, you know, amplify, it'll go up and go down. But that's where I would typically start. And then I would go from there. I don't know what your thoughts are on those, you know, Yaz or anyone else listening in the room. Two questions I wanted to kind of just really start off with, just to kind of before I address everything that you've said, really. Oh, yeah, you went through that, yeah. the balance between yeah. and what have you. That's right. So, you know, what does striking the balance even mean? Um, you know, do we even need to be doing this in every session that we actually um, deliver? Um, but really, what I want to touch on is, you know, about the environmental outcomes. And I think more than anything, you know, unless you're working in a first-team environment where it probably is a lot more about the, the collective, if you like, really it's important for us to understand we're always going to be working with individuals, whether we're, especially when we're working in youth football in particular. Everything we do is about producing, or not. I don't even like using that word really, but about, about developing individuals, helping individuals get better. So I think, if anything, one of the other questions to really consider is, you know, do we pro- do we need to prioritise actually delivering individual outcomes as opposed to collective outcomes, and then using the theme of the session, as you put it, you know, the global uh, the, the global needs of the group in that respect, um, as a framework or a foundation to build on. You know what I mean, a framework to operate within and a foundation to build upon in terms of, right, here's where we're starting everyone at. And, you know, I love the analogy of, you know, the bus stop and, you know, picking picking up people on their journey along the way, regardless of where they may be ending up. So some people might stay on for a stop, some people might stay on for three or four. And I think that's a great way to look at it as well. So I think on that, on that front, you know, looking at the global needs of the group is really important. Yes, we do need to appreciate and understand that, but I think individual outcomes should always for me come out come out on top and you know there's a few different ways we can do that but you know some of the challenges that might come with that is people asking well do we need to prioritize certain individuals over others um and yes maybe the short answer because in some cases there might be some individuals that need more support right now than others and just because they need support doesn't mean it's always on areas of development which is another key thing to consider it might be right they they're they need a little bit more refining around some of their super strengths, and like as you as you mentioned earlier as well. So I think a few considerations to make there. But, but I put a question to you, Jared. Do we prioritise certain individuals over others? 
if I think I've un- if I've understood the question right, I think there'll be times where in the practice you probably will, even though you want to design. I spend hours trying to skillfully design where everyone's at, what I'm working on. You know, is there ways that I can buddy up learning and join learning? So it might be that if I need, you know, one player needs to work on X, another player needs to work on this, they might complement each other. So there might be times where within your design, you can actually buddy it up and join it up. Um, I think, you know, I don't know what your balance is. I've always found that I can probably try and stretch and challenge, even though you want to stretch and challenge everyone in the room, you know, you're responsible for everyone when you're working with them. I try and focus on maybe two or three individuals within each practice as well. So there'll be certain players that will get my laser focus within that practice. That's not to say that I'm not giving everyone everything because I'm hopefully designing problems and creating environments where everyone will walk away going, you know, that was good. But that's always the danger in that if we try and coach everyone, we potentially can coach no one because ultimately there's going to be players that leave the environment and they're going to go, well, what was the relevance for me? So I think if we've always thought, and I think you posed it as that question, is like, what's the relevance to, to that individual and why? I think that comes back to that individual difference. So we should try and think about every individual within that group, 100%. But there might be a way where if you're working, whether with another coach or if you're working on your own, you really laser focus in that those key individuals um, specifically. My limit is three. Some others that can do five. I've seen Osh do two extremely well in one session where he focused on two. And in one practice, I could only focus on one. So it varies depending on the, I guess, the complexity of the practice or the detail that you're going into. Um, but I would say there might be times where you're putting other people's needs above others, potentially. But then how much of that focus is based on, like, let's say, a red and a green. A green being a strength and turn their strength into a super. How much of it is focusing on a red, where it might be an area for development that needs to get better and you need to get it into, like, an amber where it's, you know, it's about steady and it's about to go and it's about to, you know, launch off, which is great. And there might be times where you're focusing more on reds than greens. There might be times where we should be focusing more on greens and reds. And there'll be certain individuals that we pay more attention to than others. Um, I don't think you're going to get it always perfect. Those That'd be my initial thing is that, yeah, some practices I might be focusing on these three individuals over others. But then the challenge comes for you as the coaches. Can you walk away by the end of that practice and feel that everyone's benefited, but equally those three who you were trying to laser, did you get the best out of them? And and I think you could go one step further, which is like speak to the players and ask them. You know, like I did one recently where I had a whiteboard. I'm sure you do this, Yaz. And I write, I wrote the objective, you know, like how can I help and stretch you today? And basically, they wrote their individual challenges on the whiteboard with their initials. And then whilst they were doing their warm-up with the S&C guys, and they were going through all their fundamental movements, I walked over, I looked at the whiteboard. And then I was looking at it going, ah, brilliant. JB's going to get a bit of that today with with Tom, definitely, because I've already put them up against each other in a little duel within this practice. So I know they're going to get loads of challenges there. So that's going to be good. 
and that aligns with JB's topic. He wants to get better at um, is dealing against a quick, tricky winger type of thing, someone who can run across him. So his timing and his movements to press, triggers to press, brilliant. Oh, this player wants to get better at this. That's interesting. So then I would speak to the coaches and say, hey, how can we... How, is there a way that we can somehow try and figure this out? Like, how can we incorporate this within our design? Or is this maybe a responsibility for you, Yaz? So do you want to take him under your wraps? So if I'm working on these three, do you want to have him? And you're working on, you know, Connor's ability to finish, like different variations of finishing under pressure. You know, so what... And then it might be, yeah, I'm going to put a time constraint on it. I'm going to tell him whenever he's in around these areas, he's got X amount of minutes to do... A uh, second, sorry. To, to get his shot off or if he gets more points if he can finish using his non-dominant foot than his dominant because there's a lot of times where he could direct the ball in the back of the net but he doesn't he always wants to shape up on his dominant foot he won't let that ball go across his body so he's better off I don't know I'm making this up so as an example yeah so then that'll hopefully give a couple of scenarios where you might do those things you know no, 100%. And, yeah, thank you for sharing this. Because I, I think one of the key things to really touch on, and it's a word that you used earlier, is around the, around the idea of constraints. And I think within, uh, you know, when, especially when you're working in a group, group-based session and you're looking at trying to target specific outcomes, particularly individuals, a lot of coaches do refer back to or utilising constraints. And I think it's really important to kind of maybe highlight just how that could just not just impact on the players, but what the, what the actual purpose of a constraint actually is. Because it's not just putting a condition on the practice to, for the sake of it and then calling it a constraints-led approach, if you like. It's actually, you know, designing the practice in a way where the players can get set or The players are almost um, given the opportunity to come up with more of a specific outcome, if you like. You know, and it was re- really direct around specific things. So you're talking there about, you know, that player looking to uh, come onto his dominant foot to finish, as an example. There's easily ways you can put constraints and different kind of things in there. But what what I'm really keen to kind of really explore further here is, you know, you talked uh, about maybe working on three players, and I think I think it's, it's it's a really good kind of way to start off on on the note of when we're looking at addressing players on an indi- on an individual basis within a group session. What we need to consider is, right, how, I mean, the way I would approach it anyway is, right, we know these players already. We know what some of their strengths are. We know what some of the areas of development are. We've probably done individual development plans of some way, shape or form. Even if we haven't formalised it, we've got an, we've got an observation or an assessment of, some, of some, some sort with that. I think what's really key here is asking, right, in the theme of the group session today, what are some of the outcomes or what are some of the things I'm likely to see? And how does that then marry up with some of the people that have got direct individual development plans which make relation to which make reference to that? So as an example of that, if my you know my my individual development plan says, right, need more um need, need to needs needs more support around support, you know, pressing in the final third as an example, right? Does today's topic align with that? And if it does, then it's a very easy kind of matchup and a pair and a pair up to kind of get some of those individual outcomes out. And I think what we should spend more time doing is identifying right where can we find similarities or direct reference points for people's individual development plans in relation to the actual group topic. 
and then use those as platforms to kind of really target the individuals that were really looking to kind of laser focus in, as you put it, Gerard, in that particular session. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Absolutely, yeah. I, th- I think I agree. I mean, I, I think we've got to give ourselves the best possible chance to help the kid who's who we're responsible for. And for you, it might be something else. For me, it might be, you know, I give an example before, like I like to focus on, like, I know my limit. I know I can probably get away with three because I'm also somebody that's, like, you know, very detail-orientated. You're juggling a million and one things when you're doing a practice, aren't you? You're juggling, you know, the organization, transitioning between activities, leading it, who's leading it, who's doing what. And more often than not, I'm always leading a practice of some kind. I'm leading the progressions and everything and the breaks and the intervals and the main key messages, um, the setup. So you're juggling a lot of other factors, aren't you? You're juggling like a million and one things. So just in terms of cognitive load, to then really get one individual right, never mind three, is probably a lot to concentrate on when you're still trying to do all the other stuff. So for me, that's my limit. But I've seen some coaches who can like really skillfully do more and that, and good luck to them. Like that's awesome. I think you've just got to create like little challenges. Like I used to always love going up to players in a session and asking them how they feel, you know, whether they enjoy the practice. I mean, I, I remember always like in New York, I still use it as an example on courses where there was one boy I thought, I was like the best coach in the world. I've had a blinder because the session was really good. It looked awesome. Not saying it for saying it. It was a good session. Kids were having fun. Kids have got smiles on the faces. Some of the player actions, the detail, the improvement, the enthusiasm, everything. But it wasn't a good session because one of these kids didn't have fun and it wasn't for him. And potentially I could have lost him. And if I hadn't have asked that kid, I would have never realised. And I asked him sort of like uh, right towards the end and it made me think about it going into the next session. And then I started to ask questions earlier. But I asked him, and oh, what did you think of today? And like, so did you get to achieve your objective? And he basically said no. I was like, oh, why is that? And basically he'd been pigeonholed in a position throughout the practice because of the, the sort of traits that he has. Um, and the way he plays, he's been pigeonholed in certain positions within the game. So he never got opportunities to play in higher positions or whatever, more advanced positions, attacking and, and what have you, and other scenarios. So for him, he didn't enjoy it as much. So I just thought, Do you know what? That's awful. But as a coach, we can go away and we think we've hit everybody, but I actually didn't hit him on that particular day. So... I made a constant effort of like talking about a balancing between individual and collective is tuning in with players and seeing what they think. Like, Hey, what do you think? How can we make this even better? Is this getting out what you want? Because for me, I feel like I'm the servant to them. They're coming to us as coaches for us to put on an environment to help them improve. So it's not about me. It's not about my ego or my wants. It's about them. So I don't think there's anything wrong with being vulnerable and, and saying to people, like, hey, what do you think? Because they might say, this is shit. <laughs> I don't know. And then it's like, okay, well, then what can we do different? What can we do better? They might say, well, do you know what? I, I really want to get opportunities here. And then, and it might be that you're then wrestling with that balance of wants and needs, aren't you? Because 
if what they want is the same as what they need, okay, that's great. It's an easy fix. What if they want something, but actually they need this? So then it's how you sell as a coach, what that is, the reason why they're doing what they're doing for that long, that period of time. But then it comes back to, for me, why do they play the game? What makes that individual love playing football? What do they love about football, about soccer? Why do they want to be the whatever they want to be? What's that obsession? And then how can we design ways to join that obsession within practice and within match days? How can we find ways to... Because that's where I started going with that individual collective outcome is I would think about this kid loves to flip in, being around attacking rebounds. He loves that. Or this kid loves competition. Anything about competition, he just loves. And he might be a facilitator for other kids. So I could get him involved in like some of the life skill stuff, peer-to-peer learning, certain small group chats, put certain rules on the game or certain scoring mechanisms. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. We're talking about constraints earlier, methods of scoring that will influence how he plays or how his team have to solve the problem. So then that, that way is competitive for them. There's consequences based on the game and the outcome. For another player, it's, he loves jewels and he's outstanding at that. So then how do you use that? And that might challenge Yaz because Yaz needs to deal with um, dealing with pressure from behind, you know, and around, struggles at it. So you might put him, the guy who's in a, a fan really strong at jewels and loves those defending instincts against Yaz or not, as the case may be. You might have to put him against someone trickier who asks other questions for him to get better at, you know? So that's where I go with my planning to try and figure it out. Hopefully, I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, no, I think I think it definitely does. And it's given, it's given me a really few, uh, really good few points that I can kind of touch on there. So I think, first of all, it's, you know, just because it's... Um, how can I put it? You could be supporting someone with an individual outcome without actually being explicit about it. So, in this case, right? Sorry. In this case, you know, you've talked about having a player who might be uh, really enjoying the duels. So now he's getting what he wants out of it, or he's getting something out of the practice. But actually, the person we might actually give him a bit of support and say, right, here's we want what we want you to do. We want you to now. We want you to be getting involved in these duels, but we want you to really think about how you put pressure on people from behind and be specific about that because that might be the challenge that the player on the other end of it. Uh, right. This, this, you know, this is the situation might require a lot more support and a lot more repetitions around. So I think that that piece is really key, and I think something that you touched on earlier, and I, and I, and I, I, I don't think you can emphasise it enough. We are not the directors of outcome for the for the players. We are we are just we are just mechanisms of support, and really, you know, after many years and you know just reflections and whatnot, I've come to this idea that coaches, your job is simple. 
Your job is to take players from A to B when they don't know how to get there themselves. And if they did find a way to get there themselves, your job is to help them unpack how they managed to get there. Because I think that piece is really important. And, and, and that's certainly the way that I look at it anyway. So, you know, if I've got a player that I can see is exceptional at a particular skill where they manage to, they manage to deliver on a particular outcome, I'm, I'm not satisfied with just leaving them and just observing the fact that they did it. I want to really get checking on their understanding, really, really get to grips with the fact that did they recognise that this actually happened or did this just happen, at, you know, at, at, and it was just subconscious, if you like. So, I mean, I think that's a really key piece. You know, I'm talking about individual development here more than anything. It's not just supporting the players technically, but actually helping them really on the psychological piece around that decision-making aspect. Do they understand what the variables were that were considered? Do they, did they even consider any variables? Have they been considering variables subconsciously around their performance around certain situations and how that impacts on their performance? I don't know. I don't know what your take on that on, on that aspect of the thing is, Jerry. But it's really, really, really good to hear hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we we are literally there to allow to serve them to get better. But you touched on it then in terms of getting them to understand why. So it's always that clarity of what's the relevance and why. Why are we doing what we're doing? And finding those sort of magic moments where within the practice it's like, boom, this is a great magic moment here where I can turn this this uh, event into a real learning opportunity that makes learning stick so they understand why and we're catching them at the right time. And that's the skill, you know, and it takes a lot of time and it's got to be individualised. And that sort of leads into that. Everything we do, you, you said it right at the start, is you said, instead of the question being like between, as if it's a versus, everything should be about the individual. You know, and I know when I, I used to listen to Osh a lot, he used to talk about individualised coaching is the key. Everything we do is individualised and personalised. You know, we're creating these personalised experiences for players. Um, and I quite like how, you know, I'm nicking a phrase here, talking about magic moments. If anyone's familiar like Disney, Tragic to Magic, I just think it's really cool. There's times where within a season, within the game, within the practice, players are struggling or they're just doubting themselves or they've got the gremlins in the head and they're having problems, um, they're, they're, they're lacking confidence, they keep making mistakes and they're, they're trying, there's several iterations to it, but it's not quite getting there and before they could do it and now they can't. You know, that'll sound familiar to a lot of people because players will go through growth periods or physiologically as well as, you know, and holistically. So for me, it's then how do you turn those tragic moments into a magic moment? And it's, it's again, that's individualised, isn't it? That's really individualised so that you, you're helping players to bounce back, keep trying again, try have another attempt, another effort, and understand why they're going through that journey, that process, because it's about them. Um, so, yeah, no, brilliant. Good stuff, mate. It'd be great to see what there's loads of content here, isn't there? If we bounce, if we were to map it on a wall, it'd be interesting to know what are people's thoughts and I guess how does this resonate with with them in their environment as well as me and you. No, spot on. And you know, we've got quite an intimate group tonight. You know, small, a small number, but I'm sure there's going to be some thoughts and views around some of the things you said. And I'd, I'd love to hear what anyone's got to say if they've got anything to add around anything that's been said or anything, any questions to pose to us.
Finlay, I think it was satisfied with your masterclass, Gerard. <laughs> so I don't know if there's any questions or even any, I guess, challenges to certain things that are maybe said or anything. If anyone's got anything, let us know. Nick, Nick's just popped through. So yeah, Nick. Evening, Nick. How are you, man? I think you're on mute there, Nick. Uh, there we go. How yeah, are you? Good, good. You, you, thanks for uh, inviting us up, lads. Appreciate it. It's a bit of an highlight to me Sunday evening, I must say. Um... <laughs> <laughs> good, man. <laughs> um, just sitting here watching the Euros. Uh, Italy getting a lesson from France, so a bit interesting one. Um, I just, yeah, it's an interesting topic tonight. Um, looking, looking how we how we sort of do look at that balance, and like, I think you're right. Yes, I think you, you can never get that balance, and, and and I don't think there should ever there should ever be balance because it it would be too easy if if, if it was with, with the way that the game changes, players change, who's actually at training or who's who actually in your squad is constantly changing. So it's, I think, first of all, how are we measuring the, the outcome? Are we doing it sort of by a session by session basis or are we looking longer term? We're looking for over a season or maybe two or three seasons, depending on how lucky you are to be working with players for, Bigger, bigger blocks, and then I suppose we need to know what that outcome you want and the outcome that they want. Um, and I think a lot of the time, we'll, when we talk about outcomes, we we're probably talking about the four corners, and in in particular, probably the tech and tack corners. Whereas I, I sort of tend to be to go down that holistic route. I just found myself drawn to that the psychosocial side. I find it fascinating. And, and and sometimes I think they can get overlooked when you're looking for outcomes. You know, the outcome might be, oh, I want you to be able to receive when you're back foot, beat a player and, you know, look look to win your 1v1s or whatever it might be. But but before we could do that, let's see if we can get some social, psychological outcomes for that first. Are we able to get them in the right mindset before we can ask them to do that? So could that be an outcome? Could that be um, something that we're looking to do over the back, over the space of one week, two weeks, you know, or even longer. Um, and then if we are doing that, is it worth having more than one outcome? Can we have a primary outcome and a secondary outcome? If we're not hitting our primary, we're still going to get some success because we might get that secondary that secondary outcome in there as well. You know, we might be asking our player to win 1v1s in the attacking third, but the secondary outcome might be we want you to be brave and, and just try it, whether it comes off or not. So always trying to find that, element of success so we want them to continue to to try and to be challenged and push um and uh, for, for me i think a big part of that is that is that use of the drive-bys like, like like gerard said it's you you can't connect with multiple players in depth in, in a space of one session you can't you can't but those little drive-bys we just just plant the seed oh that was good do you reckon you could do that yeah go on give it a go or Mate, that was really good. Could you do that three more times? And then you're sort of almost driving, just just dropping in these little bombs and these little these little seeds, planting them as you go, just to, just to see if we're able to 
maybe generate some new outcomes if if we're not getting the ones we want are we able to plant some seeds to quickly get the ones that that so they can go away having that sense of accomplishment maybe um and then i suppose the last little bit was having spent seven years in education it's when you're looking for for potential outcomes or you're looking for a group that you're going to specifically look at or target for potential outcomes in my experience it would be the for the want of a better word the 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 participants probably in the bottom end of that group so they might be the ones that are striving to achieve something rather than the ones that already are achieving or the ones that need to be stretched and in my time in education it was it was a big thing that the the top the, the the participants in the top end so it might be students or or players whichever whichever way you want to look at it the the kids in the top end being neglected just for the fact that that the teachers in some instances or coaches in some instances were thinking they're all right they're already going to a good standard i really need to focus on that group because they're really struggling and then that's fine maybe for a week or two but then as that time goes on those players that were at the top end probably are feeling a little bit left out a little bit isolated a little bit they don't care um so i think so, so there's something else to look at there so when we are looking for those individual outcomes are we only looking at a specific group or are we looking um broader and again it's really hard when like Gerard said you, when you're when you're running a session w- without even realizing you're doing you're juggling a million different things and and that's just another consideration to have on so that's why I always say that 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 individual and collective outcome could be not just session by session but maybe season by season as well um but that's uh, that was just a few things that I've that I've noted down just while Gerard and, and yourself were talking there. So I'll pass back if that's all right. Yeah, no, I, I think there's some great stuff in the Nick, and I think it's, it's a really, really great point that you've made there because quite often what happens is, you know, you hear about the stories all the time where maybe, especially in academy football, you hear it a lot, where a player's been brought in, you know, they were brought in as a as someone who was a great finisher or, or whatever it might have been. And then two years later or whatever it is, they've been released because, well, they haven't really developed since they brought in because exactly what you've just said they've come in they've maybe been exceptional or been seen as uh, maybe the top one of the top in the group at a particular aspect or just in general and the coaches just rely on those players just to continue developing with not really any real attention and, and what tends to happen is those players end up getting left behind because like you said a, com- a common thing to happen is that a lot of coaches do focus on the players that are quote-unquote striving to keep up or there or thereabouts in, in the average group if you like and I think it's really important that we do kind of distinguish that your stronger players also need support. And, you know, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day. You know, they had a player in one of the academies and he'd been there for three years. And one of the critiques from the coaches was, you know, he's no good on his weak side. I said, well, if he's been there for three years and he's still no good on his weak side, what have you done to actually help him? You know, that's maybe that maybe that you need to look at yourself as a coach, and this is where I think a lot of coaches go wrong, in in my opinion, in that they don't. And it's a generalizing statement, but there isn't often enough coaching taking place, and there's probably more facilitation, and I think that's where a lot of things can actually end up breaking down for players and their development. Um, coaches just expecting that they're going to develop, and this is why I have a massive issue with that old, you know, that that old phrase of "let the game be the teacher." For me, it's nonsense. It, it doesn't work. 
it, it, it's, it's not possible for any any game to be the teacher. All the game can do is provide you with situations for the for the teacher to maybe highlight for you um, and support you with. And obviously, in this case, that's the coach. You know, can the coach bring your attention to certain variables that maybe you haven't considered yet? Can the coach bring your attention and um, through dialogue around what the actual context is that you're facing? You know, because one of the things I've always I've always kind of lived by with with you know with life and in, with players in general. It's if you don't know the situation you're actually facing, how the hell are you going to get yourself out of it or even deal with and overcome the problem if there is one? So I think halfway there is actually getting them to understand the context and then moving that forward with the coaching aspects. But the first piece is actually getting them to recognise the situation there and if that makes sense. Um, so no, I think it's a very, very, very great point there, Nick. And, you know, I really appreciate you getting on getting on and uh, you know, sharing that. Gerald, I don't, know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, it's interesting listening to Nick because you are going to have those different sort of stages and I thought you'd outlined it pretty clearly. And and I think it will vary, won't it, from topic to topic and everything you're working on because there'll be times where there's those at the group who are striving, those who are struggling, but then in different situations it'll flip-flop and different days and what have you. But then, you know, it's interesting when we talk about like technical, tactical, physical, psychological, and I agree with you, Nick, where... You know, we need to probably spend a lot more time looking at the psych social stuff. But then I'd probably pose another question, which is do we need to compartmentalize the game into these corners? Because there can be also that other danger where coaches try to, like, I, I, we had this on the advanced youth award where we had specific days for psych, specific days for social, technical, whatever. But then the counter argument would be, well, are not all interlinked because. In reality, they should be and they are. And players are developed. If you're putting on a realistic practice and it's well organised and it looks like not only the game but their game, then you'll be touching on them across all those mo- those corners anyway. But I think by having those corners, I think it served a point years ago, but maybe now I'm not so sure because it's quite mechanistic because then it's going to where, you know, like Nick was saying, maybe, you know, we're only looking at them through a certain lens, technically, tactically, but we're missing other stuff. And I don't think you can train them in isolation because, you know, they all influence each other, you know, and I think then it should be more around versus seeing the game in in those sort of components or boxes. How can we just view the game as a game? And today we're going to work on X and just go with go with the flow a little bit versus, you know, isolating certain mechanics or certain components. Or years ago, it used to be called key factors, didn't it? In each of these or objectives, in each of these corners, I think if we're talking about individual development, we're potentially, you know, going away because by having these corners, well, individually, the the, the, the content that's in those boxes will be different for every individual player. So. There's a lot, I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot. That's probably another topic for another day. No, I totally agree. And I think the best way to approach it for me is just looking at it as a spectrum rather than set corners because I think the corners will take you constantly from one end to the other and maybe focusing too much on one side of it. I think the spectrum allows you to kind of work up and down it, looking that's at it. what's my intervention going to be now, where does it sit on the spectrum, and what you know, why am I making this intervention? And for the next one, it might be from one end of the spectrum right to the other end of the spectrum without actually looking at the corner specifically. So I try to, I try to, for my own, for my own development and my own players in particular, I try and stay away from the idea of approaching it as right. This is going, this is going to be a, a, a cornered intervention, if you like. 
And I think that's definitely worked for me over the last few years in particular, where I've just kind of been assessing constantly, right, what are the relevant factors? What are the relevant considerations that need to be made here? Where do I need to jump in and, and, and dive in on some of the stuff with the players now? Nick, you got your hand Stop. up, you want to yeah. back in there? Yeah, just, it was just a quick one. I mean, it's something that might have been around for a while, but I've, I've started to notice it more and more recently is, is clubs, um, academies in particular, that are, that are starting to employ um, individual development coaches. So those individual development coaches are floating coaches that will yeah. be aware of players' IDPs. They'll be aware of particular challenges. They might be aware of, of bits and pieces that the, the players might be going through, whether that's... Um, sort of um, youth development phase or professional development phase, and and I, I think that's a really powerful tool. I mean, not not all of us are in a particular stage to have armies of individual development coaches walking around pulling players out for five minutes, working on a particular you know thing, sort of really forensically looking at something. It might just be a real key movement, or just just be getting them to see something through their eyes, or whatever it might be. I think that that potentially could be a really powerful tool, and. And I think that's something that probably see, we'll see more and more of. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I mean, there's a couple of people on the call earlier who that's their roles. Like now they're the, the lead individual development coach for X phase. I think what's interesting though is, and you've probably seen this in your teaching background, we have to strike that balance right though. Like years ago, we did it. I think even, I remember being a Cat 3 club where we had a part-time um, basically individual coach and years ago it used to be funded for the EFL um, used to be like a technical skills coach I always remember like before the EFL came in it was chartered for quality and you had centers of excellence and academies that used to be a funded role and someone would go around and do stuff and when I look back then and what's happening now and I'm talking like early 2000s like 90s to 2000s and then obviously the EFL came in 2011 2012 it's got more detail, don't it? And we're getting better at video clipping and highlights and different feedback frequencies and you know all the individual detail we go into with the players. But I still see some common problems where some kids taking them out of the practice and and away from the group can be a ne- sometimes seen as a negative. So if I think about like education, like let's say my son, there's kids in school, there's teachers in schools, aren't there, who will work with individuals within a classroom and you'll have different kids, different needs and some they need to play with the fidget toys. Others need to play with something else. Others they need to be managed into listening and active engagement because they'll struggle and others will need support and other things. And a lot of primary schools, as an example, they do it secondary, don't they as well, will employ these people. But then sometimes taking those kids out of environments to give them one-on-one can be as a negative, like almost seen as like a punishment for others. It's not so much, but for some it is. And I'm thinking about this now is like, now that we're getting more, I guess, educated in it, we've got to really figure out what's the best thing at the time. Cause it might not always be taking that player out is the best thing. Cause they might just want to not be treated differently and they want to be with the mates and still playing the game. Cause I saw this even at Rochdale where some individual kids were getting different stuff. And there was always negatives around it, whether it's some thinking, why is he getting more individual coaching than me? Parents will compare it. Or why is he getting more? He's clearly, you know, locked on to get a scholar. Look at all the intention he's getting. I'm not getting the same. 
there'll be those that are going, oh, why am I getting this? I just don't, I don't want to be treated differently or whatever. And there'll be others going, I love this. You know, can I get more? And then that can be another problem where it's, if you don't do as much of it, does it, so it's really figuring out what's, what's the sweet spot. And then I think as um, even developing the individual within the collective, that's like the silent stuff that you guys spoke about before, like the drive-by coaching, the little whispers, the one word, the little things that might have a, a memorable impact. I think the bolt-on stuff we can do, and we all do do, but then it's, I don't know, There's a, I think there's got to be a real skillful art to it because I think in this day and age now, where we're in such a volatile and ambiguous environment and everyone's, you know, ready to complain and sue and parents have got a lot of power. It's how we manage that dynamic. I know it's the top for another day, but it definitely links to individual because these are some of the problems that, you know, I've seen. Like I'm, I was talking to a guy at a Cat One Academy, I won't mention the name, cases being recorded, but he was saying that they're having problems now with some of the individual objectives and the plans that they're creating because it's creating too much of a difference between the ones who are getting that and the ones that aren't. So they're finding it hard now to try and please everybody. And then parents are going, you know what, we're going to go to another club, we're going to pull our kid from the academy or whatever. Different challenges, you know, but different badge, different challenges or same challenges. I'd be interested know what your thoughts are. Or Again, it could be a topic for another day. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a really great point. I think it probably is, especially in terms of going into depth of it, it probably is a topic for another day. But one thing I would highlight, I think, it, it can often be seen as an, as a, I mean, the way I look at it is it could be, it could be a get out for the coach. For the coach. It could be saying, right, the coach, whoever's delivering that session, are you actually demanding enough from yourself to actually, to the point where you feel like that person needs to be taken out of your session? Should you be doing more within your practice to try and cater for that? Could you get the individual development coach into the practice and say, right, actually, this is it. This is where I've, I've not, this is what I've noticed. Can we work within the practice to do it? Because I agree, sometimes taking the player out of the session can have negative impacts, not just in terms of the psychological aspect of this person getting more attention than that person, but more specifically, if you take them out of practice, it's, 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 quite, it's quite often very difficult for a lot of coaches to actually give the practice context. And you talk there about individual development coach. Really, what tends to happen is it just turns into like a bit of a one-to-one technical session, and that's not really what development is all about. Sometimes it's got nothing to do with the technical, and actually, just right. You've seen you've seen a few observations. You know, you, you made a couple observations rather of a player within a practice. Can you pull them out? Maybe you have some dialogue with them and send them back in, rather than pulling them out of practice completely and going off and doing something separate. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's different ways to kind of approach it, and I definitely think. It's worth us going into it, going into it later, right? In, in more in depth in, on another topic, but I yeah, you've what you've said there is top class because that's the skill. It comes back to the aim of the actual original question, isn't it? What you just said is amazing. It, actually, be really skillful at designing conditions or doing something by co-coaching and that art of co-coaching, being involved in the practice with the others, but lasering in on the individuals within that team collective versus always doing that other stuff because what you just said there is exactly what I've seen where people start doing individual technical or skill work or fitness work and then they'll throw them back in but a lot of it is without context so no brilliant I love it yeah definitely I think like it's just this consideration for coaches to make you know any, anyone that is listening to this around 
how, how, you know, how much of a demand are you putting on yourself to make sure that you're still hitting those those other areas, whether that be individual elements, whether that be collective elements, whether that be right. I need, I know this individual's got certain outcomes that needs to be needs to be uh, tapped onto. Can I do it within this practice? And if I'm if I have got a support coach in any way, shape, or form, how do I utilize them? And it kind of links back into one of the previous topics talked about around collaborating with coaches and what co-coaching actually looks like. So I think it's really really a point worth making. But, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of time, um, you know, and, and, and probably similar to Nick, there's probably a lot of other people watching the Euros and stuff like that as well. But um, I'm not sure if there's anything else that anyone else wants to add here. But Nick, I, I just want to say a massive thank you for getting involved and sharing some of your views and thoughts on what we've said so far as well. No, you're welcome. Thanks thanks for giving me the space to, um, to speak. Appreciate it. Cheers, lads. Awesome. So, Gerard, I think it's probably a good time to wrap up, man. Maybe just give a brief insight around where people can get in touch with you and find a little bit more about you, Lumbly. Yeah, so equally myself and Yaz, follow us on Twitter. We're going to do this every week and really just excited to keep conversations going. There's a lot of topics around individual development, um, strategy for individual development, individualised coaching that are on the platform, ulearnbly, U-L-E-A-R-N-B-L-Y.com. You can download the app. You can access a ton of courses on there and uh, really enjoy it and look forward to next week to sharing ideas. I hope everyone has an amazing weekend. Definitely. And guys, if you, know, if you haven't managed to catch the full conversation here, you can catch it on the Coaches Network podcast. It'll be released every Wednesday along with uh, the, the Friday episodes where I get together with guests from all, all walks of life within the sport and to athlete and talent development space. So feel free to get in touch um via direct message let us know if you've got any thoughts around today's conversation or any topics you'd like to hear discussed in the future we're always open we're always willing to uh, grow learn network and I think that's what it's all about hoping hoping everyone get better at what we do you know in this world of coaching so Gerard thank you again Nick thank you thank again. you mate take care guys have a great weekend see you bye 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 all the best Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.